0: Welcome to Swing Theory Golf, the ultimate podcast for the golf enthusiast. I'm your host, Tim McElvenna, PGA professional, and I'm thrilled to be joined by my co-host, Sean Clotz, a seasoned PGA professional as well as over 20 years' experience in the golf industry. Join us as we delve into the world of golf, covering everything from swing tips to top-notch golf destinations. We will discuss the greatest golfers of all time, and explore the latest golf trends in the game of golf. Get ready to tee off with Swing Theory Golf, your source for all things golf. Let's dive in. All right, welcome everybody. Welcome back to Swing Theory Golf. Uh, We're here with uh, Sean Klotz and uh, Mark Klotz as well as on the line with us. Uh, Today's episode, we're going to talk about the seasonality about golf. Uh, you know, from people going from uh, northern courses to southern courses, what they kind of see different uh, terrain, uh, structure and stuff like that. So, uh, Sean, um, you're a guy from New England. What are some of the big differences you kind of see as well? Oh, It's funny. Uh, first of
1: all, Mark, you know, definitely thank you for joining us. We're mm-hmm. happy. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so uh, listeners, that's that's not an accent, by the way. That's his real speaking voice. <laughs> yep yes it is (laughs) just he always says that uh he doesn't have an accent everybody else has an accent down here so (laughs) yeah that's right but um anyways so uh yeah so i've actually um literally been in florida longer than i've been in massachusetts but you know we we both grew up in uh, just north of boston uh, about 15 miles north of boston a little town called peabody mass okay um so we played you know high school golf up there Mm -hmm. and it's a the conditions of high school golf when you're coming out of the spring or basically it's a spring season, you know, so that kind of goes into it. There's such a seasonality to the game in new England versus Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark, you know, I mean, as a, as a general manager, head professional for, you know, what is it? 25 years now, maybe longer. Me? Yeah. Yeah. 30, 30. 30. Okay. Okay. There you go. But, uh, yeah, I mean, You've, and your career has basically been in Massachusetts or Connecticut a little bit too for the last 30 years. What do you guys see? What's the challenges maybe kind of like coming out of the spring, you know, like we're talking about with high school golf when it's so cold and rainy and nasty. And then now what we're leading into is to the, uh, when your season kind of winds down, what do you see from like the, the green, you know, growing the grass and just some of the challenges?
2: Yeah. So we have, um, you know, the the thing about high school golf up here is that uh, they've, change season so the boys play in the uh, boys play in the fall, and the girls play in the spring. Okay. Because it's, there's so many more boys that play golf. Oh yeah, that
1: makes
2: sense. We, we have a lot more, um, you know, availability in the fall, if you will. But okay. fall golf is fall golf can be great in New England, especially in September, October. It can be really wet and cold, real quick, too. Of course. <laughs> um, a day like today is 55, and not not too good out right now. But these the day you play a high school golf match. So
0: tough, um, tough scoring conditions right there.
2: Right, <laughs> tough right. scoring conditions. You know, and and you know everybody says, oh geez, all the kids from the south are so much better. We have a lot of kids up here that are really good. They just have you know, they have to deal with those kind of conditions all the time.
1: I think Mark. Uh, I think the thing is like we just we just played in it. You don't know any different. Yeah. Right. Right. That's the That's thing. True. You just get up and you just go and you're hitting balls when it's 40 degrees out and. Um, I think one of my best memories, honestly, is, is me and you and, and our buddy Paul hitting balls into the snow. Like we hit, we hit, we had a oh, yeah. makeshift oh, tee box.
0: There's no way there's no chance uh, for me. No, Well, we, <laughs> we had this
1: makeshift tee box in the back of his neighborhood, a back of his house because it was a new neighborhood going in mm-hmm. and we would just hit balls into the snow and go get them and then bring them back and hit them again. That was like our driving range. That was your practice
0: yeah, area, huh? Right? Yeah.
2: Oh, yep. absolutely. Oh, it was, That was absolutely that. You know, it could be any kind of weather. We'd be doing it. Uh, it. It's funny thinking about that, Sean. Yeah, you know, we you hit a lot of balls in that back area. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was always just trying to work on your game. So I, I remember being at Sagamore down the street from me, and uh, not from us, excuse me, Sean, down yeah, the street. That's but all right. <laughs> I, mean, I, I walk in the winter time and I go down and I sneak on the golf course there at Sagamore, and I hit in between the
0: snowbanks. Believe it or not, Tim. Oh wow! So that definitely straightens out those drives, doesn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I have, I had the owner would come out in his car. And he's like, "Mark, what are you doing out here?" I'm like, "I'm practicing." He's like, "Okay, just you know, don't make too many divots." And he was really nice about it. But I just think about that memory there of you know, uh, it, it, it was all kind of conditions. And now I think about all the crazy people up here in the North. They try to play golf all through the winter. They're down the Cape. They're down Rhode Island. They're down parts of Connecticut. They can, uh, they, they. they they can get a lot of season in. I mean, they'll they'll play when it's twenty degrees out. I don't advocate that at wow. all. I don't think it's golf. I don't think it's I don't think it's golf, of course. Ooh. But uh, yeah, and they do it, you know. So uh, the course conditions, you know, springtime we're always just trying to get going because you're dealing with frost delays still. Um, you don't have any frost delays in Florida, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we do. Every very very few,
0: yeah. very few, but we do get a couple, yep. not many. Yeah.
2: You know, and. Uh, We're dealing with, you know, aeration. We do a lot of aeration up here because of the seasons. I don't think you guys aerate as much as we do, maybe. But um, we do have a lot of aerating going on. You know, right now they're doing, right now as we speak, they're doing the fairways here at Cohassie. And uh, they did the greens a couple weeks ago. And, you know, that just gets ready for next year. But unfortunately, when you aerate, you know, you take away the product. And, you know, it's just not as good as it usually is. And you feel bad for a customer. But... It's just part of the you know, the evil of getting the golf course in such great shape when it is isn't great shape.
0: Yeah, keeping it in good shape. So just
1: to that yeah. topic, even just airifying, so for some of the listeners and maybe newer golfers, what we're really talking about is basically you're, you're making holes in the greens. Specifically, if you're doing fairways, that's usually like an added benefit to a golf course. Yeah. Um, yes. there's, there's a lot of golf courses that don't have the revenue or the money to be able to do fairway airification, but it, the courses that do it, you can definitely tell how the ball props up on the fairway, it's much easier to kind of swing through it. Yes, makes a big difference on yeah, the fairways for yeah, sure. exactly. Um, and then, but the airification during the summertime here, which is, uh, again, depending on the type of golf course, um, the the I'll say the, you know, more higher-priced ones, we'll call it, they probably airify more because they want their green speed to be... Up faster. Right. Yep. You worked actually at yes. Jovita, didn't you, Tim?
0: Worked at Jovita uh, as a maintenance crew. Also worked over at Temple Terrace. Watch yeah. those guys get it pretty quick. So yeah. they uh, they'll do uh, you know the big punches. They do yep. a lot of the small punches as well to kind of keep those things aerated and uh, yeah. keeping the uh, greens nice and quick.
1: Right, and like Mark says, it's it does you know you, you get that phone call during the summertime a lot. Yeah, we do in Florida. Oh, right. When <laughs> did you guys aerify yet? Yeah, when Have are you airifying? airifying? Exactly. You know uh, you know yeah. how long until airification and all that. So. Yeah. So. Do you guys do that, like, two times a summer, Mark, typically, at Kohasi at so or at the air-fine? Yeah, Cohassi,
2: uh we, we actually have a, a new system in the last three years, um, air injection and sand injection, Ooh. water injection. So it's a machine. It's called A2. It's called an A2 machine, and it puts air in the machine. Air in the, so when we're aerating, you don't see anything. Okay. All you see is nice. very small holes. Um, the air goes in, the water goes in, and then sand goes in so we're not taking out the huge tines anymore and as of 2024 we've been approved to just do the that kind of system and not do any more coring
0: that's got to cut down on labor costs significantly doesn't
2: it cuts down on labor costs it cuts down on the biggest thing i mean yes definitely labor costs and it's a great system it works wonderful i'm i'm very i came here three years ago i'm like what the heck is that machine (laughs) and it was very very cool when i saw how it worked and the functionality of it we do that once a month, so we do that oh, once wow. a month, and then you really don't have to do anything else. So you know, it's, it's going to save our labor costs. But it's also, it works. It right. works really well, Isn't you it? know. And now, now you now you don't take because like we aerified with cores this this just just recently, and it was uh you know the last one. This would be the last time we core is this was three weeks ago, and the course is still healing up now, as we speak. Yeah.
1: It always yep. happens. Yep. And so, what's So, so just for the listener again, because I'm learning too as I'm talking to you, and I've only known you for 53 years or 52 years, I guess. <laughs> but um, so we do. Uh, so we, you know, we definitely do aerifications on greens here, um, and like you're talking about, that's kind of the more 10 to 14 day healing process. Yeah. That's what you see in Tmac when you, again, Jovita, Silverado, Lake Bernadette. Yeah. It's just, it's a, you know, you're you're really, you're, you're the whole purpose is to kind of get down inside the roots. To get the bad stuff out, for lack of a better term. Well, just to make sure that the root
0: ball doesn't start, uh, you know, overtaking itself and it starts to grow properly instead of getting infected and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so,
1: what, so when you're talking about that, Mark, on the uh, – and I've seen that uh, AT machine at uh, actually at the PGA show. They were doing a demo on it out at a golf yeah. course called Providence, and I was really interested. Back when I was at Silverado, oh. we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. But is it – so I'm going to use the word like tines, like smaller, thin, kind of almost like verticutting. Is is it does it even even leave that impression on the greens, or is it just almost in, imperceptible? You wouldn't so notice
2: it. it. Wow. You wouldn't. Okay. You, you 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 just when I say you wouldn't notice it, I mean they do it and then they just you know they go over and they do a cut, and they, you you wouldn't even notice it happened that wow. day. Wow,
0: okay. that's cool. Wow. Yeah.
2: So Amazing. we don't lose any type of play. That's my whole point. You know. Yeah. You know, and when we aerated. You lost people for ten days, saying, "Oh, you aerated. We're not mm-hmm. going to come up. The greens are that good." I'm the one who also says, "You know, it's still good to practice, still good to play, mm-hmm. uh, even though they, if, if they are aerated." But now with this new a 2 A2 machine, we're going to have no disturbance at all to our whole uh, golf schedule. Imagine how good that's going to
0: feel. That's nice, though. Wish
1: we could have that. Well, I was going to say, as we're as three golf pros are sitting here talking on a podcast, I wonder if we had three superintendents and they would all agree with us, especially Florida Florida superintendents, because yeah, because <laughs> yeah. you know, they they um, you know what what I've heard down here since I've been down here is essentially they they prefer to do it three times a year, and that's mm-hmm. the big times. yeah, uh, the big yeah. Uh, the big cores like you're talking about, and I I guess that's got to be the difference of, and this is a good kind of segue. Bermuda grass versus bent grass. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the bent grass when I go up there in, in you know in July or August and play up there. And have you played much up north at all, T? I I played
0: a couple bent bent greens, and I'll tell you what the the ball really spins. I mean, you've got you've got a I love it. It's <laughs> yeah. it's a much different type of golf up there for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's and and that's the thing, Mark, is it's just the the grass is so much different putting on. Um, so when we when we get our greens fast down here, it's during the wintertime, mm-hmm. when essentially right. the Bermuda's gone dormant. Yeah. And either they, yes. they either overseed it with a rye, or they just don't put anything down there at all, and then it just becomes... Barren. Brown, yeah, yeah exactly. Barren. Brown, but fast, right? But during the summertime, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, it's such a challenge to keep speedy greens, and I don't
0: very yeah. grainy yeah. you know you get a lot of grain with bermuda uh going different ways you've got to you know definitely take that into account when you're looking at those greens which yeah. i don't think you have to do with bent i was gonna say do you even look at <laughs> that we, work?
2: Have, we have very 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 few things where i think it's grainy out here yeah you know or new england in general i really don't you know yeah um, i really don't see it too often I, we're just more about you know the, the, the we have a lot of undulation in our greens compared to Florida, as far as i can see for the most part you know yeah. we have a lot of you come to Kohasi, and you know, we got double tier greens and slopes and everything like that. And I go to a lot of Florida golf courses, and it's pretty flat, you know.
0: Yeah, not the yeah. same. Do you find that uh, usually the the green complexes up there in the north are a little bit bigger, or a little bit smaller than what you find here in the south, or do you find the the complex reversed on that? Yeah,
2: I, I you know, I mean, it, you know, course to course differences, of course, but uh, we have just so many beautiful old golf courses. Yeah um you know you guys have some old golf courses but you have a lot of modern projects that just mm-hmm. doesn't didn't happen up here we have a lot more you know 19 my my course is 1918. You know, yes. a lot of 1918s and 20s and 1925s and all those golf courses they have very small golf, very small greens for the most part and,
0: and they um, utilized a lot of what they had for the natural terrain up there they didn't have all that equipment correct
2: oh well, that's right you know there was no there was, there was just man-made that's all it was you know was uh they weren't using tractors or anything like that. They just kind of worked with the contour of the greens and the contour of the of the land. Um, and you still see it today. You know, I got my course here, and there's humps and bumps. When Donald Ross was here, that I'm sure he just left there. You know, it's, it's okay. You know, today's world, you know, especially in a modern golf course, you see a lot more flatness.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting point right there. It is a Donald Ross design that you got that you're at right, a nine-hole uh, private facility.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's yep. really
1: cool. Uh, he did a bunch of golf courses up in, that, in Massachusetts. He did a, did a decent amount down here in Florida, but a bunch in yeah. the New England area. New, New York, too, right, I think?
2: Yeah, he has uh, all of New England, New York, uh, a little bit of course, you know, Pioneers, of course, in North Carolina. And then he's got some stuff down your way. But uh, up here, I think he's got a, um, his history. is He's still got 157 golf courses
1: oh. in the New England
2: area that, that are his design. That are still functioning.
1: So. That's wow. so cool! I played a course oh. down in Sarasota called Sarah Bay, and uh, that's that. That just and you know and Mark, we've talked about this before. When we play, you know, when you walk on a Donna Ross property, you you, yep. can, you can tell immediately. Like they have that signature, the turtle shell yeah. back <laughs> on, on the yeah, on, on the all the greens, greens and, and yep. everything like that. Yep.
2: yep. And Don't then, be behind the green turtle backs. You got false fronts. I mean, he did. He he was very very very. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing that his courses. You know, you you look at the course today. Here we are, a hundred years later. It's still hard. Yeah. You know, nothing nothing's really changed. It's still hard, yeah. especially my course. I mean, not much not much has been done to change this golf course.
1: I think it's cool seeing some of the pictures in your clubhouse. You know, and, mm. and they're black and whites, Tim. You know, and, and they're just. The guys are dressed in that nineteen thirties. Love that look. Yeah, love you know, that look. They, and they, almost a suit that they're wearing out there. <laughs> yep. And you, it's uh, it's one hundred and five years old, and there's not, like you said, not a lot in Florida that get even close to that. No, uh, no, I think, no. Uh, I think we
2: played uh, uh, we played uh, Dunedin up yep. in uh,
1: yep. your area. Yep. And that's a
2: Ross, yep. and that has a lot of the Ross feel to it. Um, unfortunately, too. I mean, I, I say it. I, I love architecture of golf courses, and I, I love you know what Ross did. And, some of the others, of course. I, I still love Jeffrey Cornish for some of his artwork. And, but you see what Ross did. and uh, Unfortunately, like a lot of golf courses, oh, we can fix this. We can change this. They take bunkers out and they take things out that Ross left there. And you see a lot of the golf courses now, they're trying to go back to what he originally did. Yeah. Um, like Watch Houston. Watch Houston's from uh, Donald Ross. I played there last week. And that, that is a. Uh, they actually put a bunker 75 yards off the seventh hole and somebody says why i said because now you can see where the green is it has nothing to do with the tee shop, but that's why ross put it there um, so it's kind of neat to see that stuff
0: yeah just as a, as a visual to to intimidate you that's that's pretty good right there now do you think it that, was cool uh, do you think with the the emergence of like gil hantz bringing in things like banyan dunes it's really brought this uh donald ross kind of feel of bringing back the natural architect of golf yes. and, and all that that feel because you know back in yes. the 90s they had greg norman and, and and those guys just building you know target golf and now it seems to be much more of a link style everybody seems to be going to that natural golf thing now
2: absolutely like i i love that um i went down to pinehurst a few times and the last time i was a pinehurst, they have a nice video about ben crenshaw going and trying mm. to re- recreate the old pinehurst. yeah you know and to make it have more naturalized and, you know, not so much, you know, because the, they changed a lot. They changed the rough. They changed everything back in the seventies there. And, mm-hmm. you know, to bring it back to the real way, I think it's pretty cool. The real way it looks or should look, they're doing the same thing at, uh, what's country club right now near my, near my house. the oh, yeah. And they're redoing three holes every year. And they're trying to bring it all back
1: to the old Ross.
0: Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. So, um,
1: so, Mark, one of the things that I see when I go up north um, back and forth a little bit, Florida golf versus Massachusetts golf or New England golf in general, is first of all, like, chipping conditions are, are totally different, really. Like, you just have to have different um, almost uh, imagination to how you execute the shot. Does that make sense, like, when you come down here in January versus what you're doing throughout the summer?
2: Oh, yeah. I, I, I tip differently there. Um, I feel like I hit a lot more bump and runs down your place and I hit a little more – higher shots here but i don't know if that's right or not but that's how i play it uh, but it's definitely different just the way the club goes through the grass down there it can grab my club down here it can grab my club it's different it's definitely
1: different. well i think you see that on tour right that's why they have like the california swing where they've got the poana grass mm-hmm. and then the, then the, and there's certain almost kind of horses for courses type of thing there's players that play well in florida versus players that play well in california cuz they're kind of used to the conditions. Well, we John, Look like at Johnny
2: Miller never Johnny Miller never won a tournament uh east of the Mississippi. There you go. Oh, yep.
1: Fine just, example. Just for an example. Yeah. Just for an example. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um so that's one thing. And the other thing that you definitely see as you move kind of from the north to the south is the amount of um blind golf shots that you have to hit, um, up there versus down here. Like you said, it's kind of a flatter terrain, sea level pretty much. Um that's why when we get a golf course like like uh, diamond or uh, black diamond. It's, it seems so weird cause it's a canyon. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, up there it's almost, there's, you know, a lot of golf courses that you hit blind shots into, um, tee boxes, fairways, into greens, whatever.
0: A lot more dog legs up there. I bet as well. Right.
1: Yeah, a lot
2: of, a lot of dog legs up here. Yeah. A lot of dog legs up here. The, uh, uh and the blind shots are, uh, Yeah. And the blind shots are, you know, like my fifth hole. I mean, it's, it's almost two blind shots. Like, it's just crazy. Yep. You know, you go to Florida, and it's like right in front of you. Yeah. But uh, not many dog legs, too, in Florida, that I've played but, you know, so much. It's a little straightforward.
1: So then that that really affects your yardage, and that's kind of where I was going to with the question was that um, the 150-yard golf shot in Florida is not necessarily a 150-yard golf shot in Massachusetts because – if you're going downhill or uphill you got to change the club based on the condition of what you're trying to hit right yes <clears throat>
2: yeah and that confuses people a lot i, I you know you're 150 yards and you, you know you got you know 30 feet downhill and how come you're hitting a wedge i mean because it's not it's not 150 yards and some people don't get that still i mean i think it's funny but
1: yeah yeah and it again works the other way in the, in the opposite where they they got the uphill shot and they're like oh i can't believe it came up short well oh.
0: <laughs> I see that all the time they just grab you know the eight iron for the 150 yard right. shot when they really need a seven or a six or something for the elevation That's they never even say. think
1: about the elevation we see that on the flat conditions here team, team oh yeah sir. it could
0: be five <laughs> feet up and they're still grabbing the same old club yeah. and coming up you know 10 yards short yeah and, yep,
1: and, absolutely. and then you know again even like uh wind condition obviously we have wind in florida you know same thing but it just seems like there's more not more factors but there's just um you, you got to be aware it's different i guess it, it's not really you know not more it's just different in florida you've got to be more aware of water hazards and kind of uh terrain to the right and left of you because you could miss hit it and, and be in the woods real quick or in a conservation area whereas up north swamp you know, swamp there you go <laughs> yeah and, and again all, you know all golf courses are different up there too you got championship style whatever but uh but yeah up there it's you got to carry bunkers. You got to head to the right number. The, like T Mac was talking about earlier, the the green complexes become more challenging because the golf courses get harder, they, they're tighter. Like the greens are are a little harder, so you got to be the number. You can't roll it up there. It
0: seemed like you'd have to be much more of a tactician yep. up there. You know, planning out your second shot. Where more of the the Florida courses, it's it's going to be straight on. Mm-hmm. If you miss it, you know, you you've got kind of a fade or a little draw to get back into it, but probably. Up there, it's going to take a you know a little bit more imagination to get out and get to where you need to be. Yeah.
2: And and I, I don't mean this like I, I think Florida golf course are very hard. Don't get me wrong. But I think that's one of the hardest things. Is you gotta, you have to have different imagination up here. You have to, you know, certain places you just you got to think. I you know, I got to hit it thirty feet left of the pin, even though it's a straight shot. No, it's not a straight shot. You know, um, happens so much up here. And when I go to Florida, it seems like pretty much hit it at the pin, though, or a little bit, you know, not, not so much slant,
1: if yeah. you will. Yeah, your first hole, actually, uh, for our, our listeners down here in, in the Tampa area, basically in uh, Lake Jovita might be a good example, the number one on the south course at Lake Jovita. You've played that golf hole, Mark. It's par four. Oh, yeah. But I mean, yep. it's not a hole where you can hit it right down the middle of the fairway because it's going to roll out and go into the rough to the right. Absolutely. You go, right. Um, go right. right. So you've got to aim left and let it. Kind of feed its way down the hole, down the uh down the hill. Whereas, the first hole at Cohasset, coming up now, there's another. Uh, it's an elevated second shot, Tim. Okay. You know, you're hitting probably. Yeah. If you hit a good drive, you're hitting maybe one thirty to one sixty in. Okay. But, but you got to yeah. play it one extra club, and then you got to aim it right of the of the green, not right of the flag, right of the green, because it's a huge hill to the right. It's going to cool. hit that
0: hill. That takes commitment, right yeah. there. Yeah. You know.
2: Yep. oh you' gotta bounce you gotta bounce it off or you gotta bounce it off the hill to bounce it on the green right if you hit it at the green it's gonna go over the green or if you hit it at the green it's going to be in the bunker or it's gonna be over the green
1: yeah it's uh like we said it's just it's different and, it, and it always sure. I, I always feel like I'm I always feel like I'm getting the Massachusetts golf like on my last day of being there you know <laughs> and you probably feel that coming down here like oh I got, I got this Florida thing figured out <laughs> yep yep. Um, mm-hmm. so how about the, uh, let's talk a little business now. Uh, what, what's the, um, like, what do you do during the winter time? I guess would be the best way to start the question. Yeah. Like what's your, cause you're coming to the end of your season essentially. So what's your, it's, right. it's, so it's, I, um, it's also changed for you. Hasn't it too, for the last, over the last 20 years, like how, how you conducted your business over the last 20 years during the winter? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, at Cohassie, they put a simulator in a couple of years ago. Mm, very nice. So I do golf lessons in, inside here, but. Really, the last 10 12 years, I've been working in Boston, a place called City Golf Boston, teaching indoors there with simulators. And, you know, I, I used to like be like, oh, teaching in simulators, oh, I don't know. And then I, really, it's like 95% of the business now, everybody's teaching in simulators. So, yeah,
1: that's a good plug for One Stop Golf Club in Wesley Chapel, which is a private ah. hitting facility. And has a track, man. Anyway, sorry. Your a, private oasis. <laughs> that's a quick commercial, sorry. <laughs> um,
0: now, let me ask you this. Um, now that you're doing more or doing, you know, some indoor lessons, what do you kind of prefer? Do you prefer doing more lessons out on the range versus indoors, or um, do you not have a preference? Or, or what do you kind of see usually now that you're making that transition indoors a little bit sometimes?
2: Oh, it's funny. It, it's two different lessons to me, you know. Okay. Uh the outdoor, you know, you de- definitely get to see the ball flight, you know, mm-hmm. and you know you're hitting off of real grass, mm-hmm. and in the simulator, hitting off of you know just uh, whatever you want to call it, just a you know, a perfect perfect turf, but it's a perfect lie. There's no let go, of a, there's no let go, there's no divot, so it's a definite lesson.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
2: love the outdoor thing because you get to work a lot with club angle. Yeah. Um, how the club's attacking the ball uh very important you know, to be able to tell the student you oh, know your club's, you know four or five degrees open that's why you're cutting the ball or, um, so you know in the, in the outdoor situation you might not see that but obviously you see the ball's going in the right wood you can explain that
0: too but it's different gotcha
1: gotcha so just um a, a side note here I, I went to a dave peltz um for our younger listeners dave peltz is a a, a great short game instructor.
0: The short game Bible. Yeah. The putting, put, Bible. The putting Bible. Putting yeah.
1: um, You know, worked with uh, Mickelson, worked with a lot of guys on tour, but I went to a uh, Dave Peltz um, seminar and it was basically like a short game one day seminar. Now, shockingly, Dave Peltz wasn't there, but he was still making a lot of money from the seminar. Good for him. <laughs> which is where we're all going, right? That's where we're all heading towards. Um, but the point was, it was broken up in two segments. The morning time was uh, chipping and the afternoon time was, was putting. And um, we did two and a half hours indoors putting, which is a lot of time to be indoors putting. Now,
0: tell uh, me if you can get a student to do that. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right.
1: But it, it, it kind of shows you the commitment that the guys on tour have and how concerned they are with their form yeah. as opposed to seeing the ball go into a hole. You know, like they, it was just all about the, link, the length of the putter, the lie angle of the putter, how your arms hang, you know, what's your what's your stroke uh, tempo look like? There was so much in that two and a half hours that we talked about that was nothing about, you know, getting the ball in the cup. It was just more about getting the right stance, posture set up. Um, and I think that's kind of me and Tim have talked about this throughout our time so far, Mark, is just what the guys on tour do, what the ladies on tour do is their their basics and their fundamentals are pretty much rock solid, Yeah. whereas oh, some, oh. some of the people oh. we teach aren't.
0: They overlook those things completely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and they're and they're pretty impatient too. And I'm not trying to like indict our, our audience, but it's just you gotta be you gotta work the steps and make it you know, make sure your stance is correct and make sure your arms are hanging down correctly from your from your shoulders to yeah. have a good setup for your putter before you can even think about should I go buy the new four hundred dollar whatever
0: oh yeah you know. the, the new toy that yeah. you gotta have i mean i think ben hogan said that 90 uh, percent of the shot is either missed or, or won by your setup so if you don't get that right you're you're already set up for failure so take your time do your setup and and work on that for sure i'm always i'm always
2: amazed that people don't have a routine mm, um routine. you know you watch the tour player i remember mike weir a bunch of years ago he was about to hit and he, somebody screwed him up behind him he went back. He actually put the club back in the bag, put the head cover back on the bag, and then took the head cover off and redid his whole routine. And he went and hit a great shot, of course, you know. And wow. it's like uh, it was interesting to see. Like, you know, and then you got your, your, your student who will get up and will hit rainfall ball to range ball as fast as possible. Yeah. They're not working on any kind of setup or routine. And I really preach that to my, my people as long as I get their Look. Hey, take your time. To take you an hour to hit a small bucket ball. Yeah. It shouldn't take you five minutes, you know. Um, and there's, there's good practice and there's bad practice, you know. And there's good good setup and bad setup. And if you don't if you don't have a good routine, I don't know why you're hitting the ball.
0: All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: It uh, it goes back to my analogy is always Steph Curry, who's you know arguably the best free throw shooter ever. But if you made Steph Curry bounce the ball twice before he shoots his, you know, shoots his free throw, he would miss, because he's yes. he's so ingrained into one, one bounce. Right. Basically, spins the ball in his hands and then you know yeah. throws it up. Um, so if you see people that are on TV yeah. doing it, I don't care, girls, boys, whatever. There's a reason why they're on TV or, or they're you know, successful in their craft. Baseball players are really good uh, to watch too. Remember. I, I want Mark to say this name because he's going to say it in the perfect Massachusetts yeah, accent. I love it. The shortstop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Noma Yep. Noma. <laughs>
2: yep, uh, that's Roman spelled backwards. noma That's it, man. Nomar Nomagaspapara. That's
1: why. Yeah. He was, that's why he's a crowd favorite in Boston because everybody could say his name correctly. Oh, so. He would do that <laughs> yeah.
0: wrist thing. I, I mean, <laughs> what was the count on the wrist things? How many times would he do that?
2: Oh, every 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 pitch. Yeah. Every pitch, every pitch, every pitch. You take the gloves off, put them back on, flip the switch, and there, but he got he bad at 335. So that's it. Yeah, you
1: know. yeah, very, very, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so consistency would be, and that was literally one of our first podcasts was kind of compression and being consistent with yeah. your strike. And uh, we're gonna, we're, you're gonna hear that a lot throughout these times when we talk because consistency, defining consistency, but also being, you know, hey, having a pre-shot routine like you're talking about, yeah. Mark. The thing I think too, Mark is. Um, when I, when I work with my students, I'm, a, I'm kind of amazed they might have some type of pre-shot routine for their driver or their irons, but then when they get to a wedge or a putter, it's almost abandoned, or, or they do something different. Correct. Yep. You know, you know, yeah. Um, and it's the most important putt you know the the stroke counts the more
0: they they go to the quickest on the putt it just seems like they just get over it they don't line it up they don't look at the hole they just actually they just look at the hole and and pop it yep um and and don't read it don't kind of you know go behind the hole or or anything you know but they will sit on the driver and you know look behind it line it up and you know put their club (laughs) up in the air and you know act like they're you know getting that thing down the line but and then they just get up there to the putter and wave along yeah three wiggle
1: and, uh, and, and on the putting thing, too, like they don't, um, again, watch TV. You know, th- there's there's certain guys that even get a little bit criticized for kind of how long they take before they actually make their putt. Yeah. But those guys are kind of the ones you're watching on Sunday afternoons because they're committed to what they're doing. Yeah. And, and they've got that routine. And, and Tiger, Tiger wasn't the fastest putter, but he was super – like he always looked at it from different angles. He did right? but his
0: routine, you could time his routine. Yeah. Like when he got set over that ball to when he, he yeah. hit that stroke, I mean you could put a stopwatch on it and yeah. it was yeah. pretty much dead on every time. Now yeah. you get over some of your students and maybe it's thirty seconds, five seconds, yeah. two minutes, who knows yeah. how you know what yeah. it is. But there's no <laughs> routine, you know, get in, do it.
1: Agreed. Yeah, and I've seen you know Mark is one of the best putters I've ever been around, whether he knows that or not. But uh, he's got a super solid routine from the time he was 17 till the time that he's you know 56 really? or whatever. Always been the same. He he changes putters a lot. I'll give him that. Now lately, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but but the routine has been consistent and and always you know just a good follow through, good you know good fundamentals. Like, gotcha. the time, like the stance hasn't changed in 30 years. The length of the stroke hasn't changed the shoulders move the same way and there's a reason why he's a good putter and he's got confidence too right that, well
0: i'm sure being Absolutely. up north you guys had some winter time to really work on those putting routines because i always find those kids from the north can really putt very well
2: me and sean in the living room dying room <laughs> yep upstairs always putting always putting we had a little, little cup there we always put with the cup 10 footers <laughs> Chipping up and down the stairways. We did a lot of inside golf. My <laughs> yeah. yeah. mother put up with a lot. I know that.
1: Right. Or we would, you know, we did that. We went to the, uh, whenever the range was open up on Route One, you'd have the heaters, which is oh. again kind oh, of yeah. the floor, you know, New England thing. Or, you know, you'd have the heaters on you and they weren't making you too warm. But again, what are you going to do? You're going to go try to hit it around and stuff. So, um, what, you know. what's the year? Uh, how many years apart are you two? Five. Five, Five. years? Yeah yeah so we've p- played a lot of golf together not enough um but uh, not enough not enough but uh it's always always fun getting together with them hey before we get going or uh, one last thing i wanted to ask you in this particular podcast mark because i know we're going to do some more in the future um sure. w- what's your what's your feedback on the pga show and sort of how it's changed over the last kind of five <laughs> years ten years yeah. covid's affected it does it change your buying habits up north versus what you've done in the past that type of thing yeah.
2: so it's funny because um you know, I, I, I the PGA show has evolved in different ways. You know, we also had I, I remember the, the we had the collapse, the financial collapse in 2007,
1: 08, and,
2: uh, yeah. and that was big. Uh, so that changed the golf show too. But you know, the golf show back in 2000 we had uh, the we had the Blues Brothers. You know, it was Jim Belushi, not John, mm-hmm. and uh, we were at the house of Blues. John, I remember that. Yeah, I still got the hat. And uh, that was super cool. And, you know, they spent money like it was crazy. And then all of a sudden, you know, that, that 2008, 2009 time hit. And companies couldn't afford to send their people. So the show became super small. And, you know, and then, of course, COVID hit and it became another thing. But I, I saw a big resurgence this year, I thought, Sean. You know, this year, yeah, uh, you know, 2023, I thought it was a big resurgence. I thought, you know, even to see the pickleball, it was funny at the golf show. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, you know, my buying habits of... Always been, uh, you know, I like to see when I go to the golf show, I like to see some of the newer stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to have to buy Titles golf balls no matter what, but I want to see what the new golf ball is. I want to see, you know, I don't care what it is, I want to see what's new, you know. So I think that show gives you a lot of the new- newness. Um, but I have good relationships with my reps up here, so I'll buy up here anyways. I also enjoy, of course, getting to see so many old friends in the business. Um, I'm 57 years old. I still think I'm 35 years old. And <laughs> yep. I really feel like, you know, when I go down there, it's like, oh, it's old home week. You do get to see a lot of good guys. You see, you know, Scott Johnson from Oakley Country Club. I see Jeff Leonard. I see some other guys. You know, My past, I'm like, oh, this is so much fun just for that, too. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see guys are still going. You know, COVID, of course, killed the show for a couple of years. But like I said, I think it's resurged very well, and I think they did a great job last year.
1: Yeah, I think T Mac to our point now. You know he has been in the area for 15 years, being a PGA guy around here type of stuff, and working in the, in the program and um, myself as well. There's a reason that the PGA show is in January. It's geared towards you. Yes, yes, it's, it's geared towards yeah. New England or to to the north is what they always tell us. That's why yeah. the new clubs come out in January and February because they're you know yeah. that buying p- segment is is. Whatever you want to call it, bigger, but it's it's you know more more economically feasible up north. Um, uh, The the season's shorter, so they want to get the clubs out quicker. It's really I'm going to say it word hassle because it's a it's a blessing to be able to go to it um, because it's such a fun event. But it's very difficult for us as as Florida golf pros to get away in January for four days.
0: Yeah, that's a very busy season for us, right (laughs) there. Oh, absolutely. I've always absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: But um, it's, so it's just always been interesting. But yeah, some of those days when, you know, like you said, the the you know Bridgestones or uh, whoever it was that was sponsoring the House of Blues, you know they would take you out to lunch or dinner at uh, at the Peabody Hotel, or we'd have yep. you know Burn Steakhouse or, or Texas House. Day Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. They, so and, and now it's uh, and it's kind of and, and, you know we're pretty impartial on this. I think that's part of our goal is to be impartial to kind of just let the listener know what actually happens in the golf world. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, the companies don't care now that they're, they're making money anyways, Absolutely. so they, they don't really have to send. And some of those displays and some of those, you know, sending the people there was, they would tell you it cost them a million dollars to, to send their people there, but they well, don't really
0: care now. I think they've kind of all kind of since COVID really forced their platform online yeah. now, especially to the younger crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, when I see that, I see a lot of the younger people coming, you know, after COVID, they really got hooked on golf. So a lot yep. of the, the product is online for them, yep. um, geared towards them, yep. um, where, you know, I, I am seeing in the pro shops, especially down here, less product, yep. less shirts. It's more like if you want that, we can order it for you or you can do this, right. um, you know, <clears throat> yeah. other than before it was. Yeah.
1: And, uh, and, and also even like T-Mac just talked about, you know, you'll see some kind of like if a, if a company wants to get a club out quickly they'll just do a instagram post on it mm-hmm. or they'll just do a uh you know they'll, they'll kind of put it out there like yeah. they, they, they don't have to make a specific okay we're going to come out in january with it
0: no they just yeah. do a you know a, mm-hmm. a you know advertisement blast yeah. and that's it and, yeah. and they don't really there's no impersonal with it anymore right. it's no <laughs> like hey let's go see the pro or anything like that they just do a blast now yeah. and then when you get the people calling you saying hey i want to get this new club and you know nothing about yeah. it. And, and most of the time, the rep can't get it to you until, you know, yeah. much later.
1: Till January. Right. Yeah. Yep. So. yep. All right, Mark. Well, hey, great talking to you, as always. Yes, thank you, Mark. Great. Certainly
0: appreciate it.
2: I appreciate you guys, and I look forward to the next one, and we'll do. We'll even have a better one next time. I All appreciate right. it. Thanks for sounds, everything, guys.
0: Sounds good, man. Thanks. Thank you. Thank yep. you. All right, yeah. everybody, I want to say thank you. I want to give a special shout-out to Mark Klotz. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, and my uh, co-host, Sean Klotz, thank you from Swing Theory Golf. Thank you, and keep teeing them up. Talk See to you guys that. later. Take care. Thank you for tuning in and teeing off with Swing Theory Golf. Keep swinging, keep improving, and stay tuned for more exciting episodes. This is Tim McElbana, signing off.